welcome back, Ford Explorers, to this Halloween episode of Spooky. the Weird Hour. Before we get into this week's show, we want to do our due, due diligence and just tell you that we have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Patreon if you want a subliminal shout-out. And last but not least, we do still have our hotline. Usually we tell you a story, we want you to tell us a story. So hit us up on the hotline. Other than that, have a spooky day and enjoy the show. <laughs> And welcome back, Ford Explorers, to the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. I know we're a couple days. It feels a couple days late. We just yeah. always planned to put this out on Halloween and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, so this is our Halloween episode. This is also kind of de facto our anniversary, Caleb. Yeah, uh, it is definitely the anniversary of when we recorded the first one, not when we put the first one out. It's also not our 52nd episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's been one year since we almost did one every week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, we've kept up a pretty good. It's better than having like six after a year or uh, 19, <laughs> like a certain two people we love very much. Listen, they just moved. A happy move. <laughs> they moved from one small house to another small house. No, they're lovely. Uh, and if you guys haven't heard the new Switching to Game Chat, go check out their new podcast. Yeah, it's really good. It's also, fun. I want to take a minute. Uh, anybody who listens to this who maybe doesn't know, I've always been this way, and it's because my family's always been kind of adjacent to stuff. Mm -hmm. A whole portion of my family was in a cult, like a real, honest-to-goodness, religious cult in Florida. So two of my cousins, uh, Esther and Katie, now do a podcast together about being in that cult. Uh, we'll get them on the show at some point, but yeah. if you guys want to check that out, it's called, uh, I believe it's You Didn't Ask, but it's very good. They've done, I think, three, four episodes so far. Okay. I'm going to give a trigger warning. It's kind of a bummer. They do talk about really being, you know, like teenage brides in a cult. It's a bummer, but it also should uh, inform you on... Uh, I guess, the colonel's life a little bit. But they're really interesting, and you should check them out. Uh, and they're my family, so I couldn't speak highly enough of them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, hope everybody's good. I'm obviously, I'm the colonel. I skipped that part, but you guys know that. I'm the colonel. Uh, this is Caleb, my son. Hello. Not Esther or Kitty, my cousins. <laughs> uh, and, uh, of course, the acid cat. You know, this is our... I don't know if it's your favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday. It's, it's easily one of my favorite holidays. Yeah. I like that it's largely... Between Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah, Earth Day. Uh, I'm really into Memorial. No, that's uh, not us. Um, so it, it ain't me. Fortunate, no, some, no fortunate sons. You're not my fortunate son. But no, I love Halloween. It's like a, it's one of the few non-religious uh, hol holidays, and it's all about your imagination. I love yeah. that. Whether you do the horror stuff or not, I just love how fun it is. I love that kids want to learn how to sew and they want to put on makeup and they want to do <laughs> I'm listening that's, to my grandpa groan be like what the fuck are you talking but you know all that stuff's fantastic stuff for kids so to I was going to say it's one of my favorite holidays because it just like validates all the things I love doing which is eating candy watching spooky movies <laughs> dressing up in costumes and scaring people well it's definitely like the adult child holiday you know because oh, it, it has a lot to do with the impulses of children and I think that's what's great about it it like it's a day where you're allowed to be immature whether it's you're dressing like a sexy cowboy or you're dressing like a spooky scary monster or your favorite anime character yeah. or whatever i think you know now the cosplay is more common it's nice to see that people don't have to 
I don't, you don't need to dress as Spike for Halloween. I hope you get to do something kind of spooky on Halloween. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I like to see those regular cosplays throughout the year. I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing this year how many um, sexy squid game costumes Dude, I see. That's a hard one, too. Yeah. It'll just be the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Or and like, like two a, of them. A pink bikini. Yeah, and one <laughs> over the crotch. Yeah. The, the square circle and triangle. <laughs> Um, that I'm, 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 I'm tempted to be Kanye West, the current Kanye West. Cause all you need is your dad's poorly fitting old leather bomber jacket and the creepiest mask you can possibly find. And three of the worst people you can find. Yeah. And, or, <laughs> join one, or like Michael around. Cohen to have yeah. lunch with. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as you can tell everybody, we really love Halloween. We do. Uh, it's, it's a, a popular holiday for us and we've been talking spooky season for, oh, this is our fifth week now. Mm-hmm. I mean, our podcast obviously always kind of goes that direction cause we talk about the weird stuff, but since we're sort of a coast to coast for leftists, you know, we try to think of ourselves as like a, uh, we are open to everything, aliens yeah. and spooky stuff regardless so uh we get to focus this month on nothing but ghosts and supernatural shit the subject of today's episode is really fun uh we're talking about the story behind Wes Craven's idea for Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. uh which we'll get to in a minute but first we're gonna go into a couple headlines like we usually do uh, I'm gonna start with I think one of the cooler headlines I've had a lot of people ask me you know like where's Toyota in the electric car race why aren't they around they put out the Prius and then that's kind of it and it's well they've been working on a really cool solid state battery but they did just review at the Tokyo Auto Show, uh, the BZ, which is going to be their all-electric, um, it's like a crossover SUV, mm-hmm. and it looks really cool. I don't really like crossover SUVs very much, but Toyota putting it out is really fascinating. It has some cool features. Uh, one of the steering features is it's locked from 150 degrees to 150 degrees for a U-turn, so rather than having to turn your wheel several times, it'll just be one rotation, which is pretty cool. That's super cool. Yeah, but I just, I don't know, it's less creepy news and more fun future news, but I'm just very excited at the idea of Toyota finally getting in the all-electric game because they kind of introduced us to all of this. I, I mean, I was in the line of people scoffing at Priuses when they first came out, and now I own a hybrid very happily, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's it's exciting to see because uh, what people don't realize is that Priuses were the funnest cars to drive before Teslas. So it'll be exciting to see what Toyota's willing to do, a company that, with a car like the BRZ, you know, that project that they had with Subaru, uh, it's interesting to see they're willing to sort of extend themselves and try new lifestyle sort of things, mm-hmm. whether it's like what we saw with Scion or that sort of thing. Yeah. So to see them now entering into full electric should be pretty cool. I have a feeling that that network uh, issue of uh, chargers is going to disappear pretty quickly. And Toyota, just for those who don't know, Toyota is one of the largest domestic uh, manufacturers of automobiles. Most Toyota trucks are made in the U.S., and most of your Ford trucks are not. <laughs> That's why when you go to the airport in Detroit, it's in Japanese and in English. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, what's your first story? Uh, also has to do with uh, an ecological issue, and that is um, the cocaine hippos. Yeah. Uh, that Pablo Escobar. So if you're yeah, not his aware, hippos. Pablo Escobar uh, illegally imported four hippos. I mean, among he had like a whole zoo. Oh yeah. It's just that when he got busted, he mm-hmm. there wasn't anything he could do with his hippos. Uh, his hippos were set free in 1993 when he was uh, killed, um, and those hippos have thus repopulated in the past 20 plus years to be more than 80 hippos. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and are wrecking havoc on the local ecosystem. A little known fact, uh, this is the little known facts are starting. This one's for you, Bunger. Uh, <laughs> in Africa, the animal that eats more humans than any other is the hippo. Interesting. Yeah, just like more assaults happen in the woods. And I shouldn't say assaults. People get attacked by assaults. Sounds like they get molested. Uh, get attacked by uh, moose more often in the woods than any other animal. I, I knew that one. Yeah, it was everybody's like, "Oh, it's a killed moose," and it's like, "I want to kill you." Yeah, <laughs> moose are 
They're terrifying. They're, yeah, they're usually like they're bigger than any horse you've ever seen. They're usually you know eight nine feet tall. They're really big, and those the rack is no joke. I mean, oh, it's yeah, dude. yeah I know. <laughs> nice. Never seen a rack quite like a moose. <laughs> Nothing as pert as a moose. Yeah, so like I don't understand the term pert rack entirely, but I love it. I wish I use oh, pert for local, other things. He's a local weatherman. <laughs> oh, that's pert rack. <laughs> but that's uh, good. these hippos. Uh, the local government was like, well, we're going to kill these hippos. <laughs> and uh, a couple of scientists with the Animal Legal Defense Fund were like, you can't kill these hippos. What we're going to do is we're going to make these hippos plaintiffs in a Colombian um, legal case. Yep. And it, they're going to defend themselves. We want them, instead of saying we have to kill them, we're going to sterilize them. Instead, it's the more ethical treatment. And someone goes, they can't be plaintiffs. They're not people. So what the lawyers did was they got the court to rule that the hippos are, in fact, legally people <laughs> so this uh, lawsuit can go through. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> well, and you know what's interesting about it? The, the important legal precedent there is that that's never really been decided mm -hmm. before. These are the first hippos to be considered humans? Yes. Well, not humans, obviously, but they have the same rights as humans. Yeah. PETA was pretty thrilled about the ruling, which, you know, I like it, but anytime PETA's happy about something, yeah. I naturally, it kind of makes my skin crawl. Shut up, PETA. Go kill more dogs. Yeah, I don't, uh. it's not like, you know, I was vegan for a long time. I was a vegetarian for even longer, and it's not like I have a problem with animal death. It's just PETA's a full of shit organization, and anytime they're on the side, it's always the wrong side. Yeah, so this is the first uh, time in U.S. history that, an animal has been recognized as a legal person. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because... Uh, Ed, person, that talking horse is rolling in his glue grave. Uh, it said, it's obvious that animals actually do have legal rights. For example, the right to not be cruelly abused or killed. But a legal right is only as valuable as one's right to enforce the legal right. Yeah, So with this, yeah, for sure. Like, laws only exist. Yeah. So yeah. that's a cool thing. Uh, these, these hippos are allowed to continue living, albeit not able to reproduce. But they're not indigenous to the area, so yeah, it'll kind of equal out the havoc that they've been wreaking on the local yeah Colombian ecosystem. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I mean, yeah, they're they're. You want to talk about an invasive species? Yeah, yeah. And they Two exist on hippos. <laughs> yeah, eighty they, of them. Eighty of them. <laughs> and they, you know, they live in the water. Imagine being like a chill ass regular. Imagine being a normal animal that lived there, and you're like, man neighbors are kind of weird and they, there's just more and more of them <laughs> these doofy ass very hungry hippos uh well my second story today is a fun one i'm sure at this point many people have heard this uh but there was a virginia man uh that was arrested it was posted to reddit and there was a virginia man that was arrested for having uh replicas full replicas of military bases made in minecraft uh and he was allegedly arrested because you know i would imagine on some side of some sort of conspiracy charge. That's what that sounds like. Um, the problem with it is that it didn't happen. It's not true. And it's 100% fake news. Which means that to any of you out there who maybe saw that story this week. It, during Halloween time, we love to warn kids to check their candy. Even though nothing's ever been found in candy. Check your fucking sources. <laughs> check your news. Um, one Alaskan reporter looked into it with the slightest bit of energy and immediately realized, oh, this isn't fucking true. This never happened. Mm -hmm. There's no guy getting arrested. And it, obviously it's built on the back of, uh, as we like to call it, Ukrainian Christmas. Uh, there was a, a person involved in that that had Lego sets of the capital, but that was just like one of the little architecture sets. I have some of those of like Dubai. It doesn't mean I'm going to go, doesn't means, doesn't mean I'm going to go blow up the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or the Burj Al Khazali in this case. That I have blown up before. <laughs> Uh, my last article for the day is 
Um, these two AI uh, students, they're students who focus on AI, found a Picasso painting that yep. was scanned from um, a blind man's meal. A blind man's meal was x-rayed in 2010. Most people are familiar with that painting. I'll throw yeah. it up, but most people have seen it. Um, and there are remnants of another painting underneath it, and that's pretty common for uh, artists to, if they're low on cash, to paint over paintings they're not happy with. Just ideas. I've definitely, I think you probably have too. I've painted over stuff I've painted before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, ah, this painting's not that great. I want to paint something else. So that just gave them fragments of this painting underneath. Uh, so these two students decided to tackle an AI project to reconstruct this painting. Uh, and this painting has kind of just been called uh, the crouched, uh, let's see, the lonesome crouching nude. Yeah. And it has been like paralleled to Beethoven's 10th symphony, all the unforgotten, unreleased works that these great artists have put out. And so they're like, hey, it'd be an awesome thing. They put Picasso's br uh, brush strokes into an algorithm that analyzed dozens of his past works. And they were finally able to recreate this painting to the best of their abilities. And they had this whole thing lined up to unveil it and have an art show for it. And Picasso's estate stepped in. And said no? Yeah, Picasso's estate stepped in and was like, hey, you guys can't do this. Um, you have to cancel your unveiling and cease any use of Picasso's work. It is an infringement of rights. And uh, the, the two students were like, if I'm honest, I think it's a bit sad our innovation is being stifled in this way. Um, it was called off hours before it was supposed to go on display. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a shame. It does bring up a very interesting ethical question. So as an artist, you're an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I can say that I think the preoccupation with unreleased works has to do with how people have a tendency to fetishize a very small number of artists. Yeah. Like if you have a very casual understanding of art, you probably think the Mona Lisa is a very important painting. But if you know anything about either the history of uh, the Louvre mm -hmm. or the man who painted it, you know that that painting is basically meaningless and just sat in the back of the Louvre until it was stolen by an Italian employee, which that made it a big deal. Yeah. And then it got returned. A lot of that art is not profound and Maybe it's the cynicism that I have as an artist myself, but I've been surrounded by art my whole life, and I don't – it's a very motivational thing, yeah. and it's very in inspirational, but I don't think another Van Gogh needs to be revealed. Yeah. And I don't think it does anybody any good to insist that it's there. Now, that being said, I think the technology they're using is really, really, really fucking cool. Yeah. And I definitely have no negative things to say about the tech. I just think that – the estate maybe has a point in saying, listen, this is his catalog of work. We're going to leave it at that. Yeah. Do you really need to keep adding? And what benefit do you get when you discover that other? So you discovered an unfinished painting. It's like how people obsess over his sketches. Yeah. It's like they don't respect the process. Like there is a final process. And I appreciate that everybody loves that stuff and they think it's interesting. But I think that has more to do with the fact that uh, people, I was actually talking uh, about this a little bit earlier today, but I think people, if you know your kid is, you want your kid to play football or something, you'll force him to go through a bunch of bullshit at a young age to get good at it. Mm -hmm. When you and I both know the thing that makes you good at art is practice. Yes. Nobody's inherently talented. The way that it works is you learn shapes, you learn how to apply them, you learn how to shape them, you learn how to shade them, you know, the important stuff. 100%. And you can do that. That can all be taught. And if you wanted your kid to have a really good talent when they're very young, like my da dad did, 
and they get them to draw, get them to paint, get them to sing, get them to do the stuff that inspires their creativity because that'll cause innovation down the road. Whereas this just feels a little stifling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, that is, those are our headlines for the day. We hope you guys enjoyed. Also, if you're wondering what the deal with the camera is, uh, it's kind of twofold. One, the camera that we normally use uh, is having some troubles. And also, I have this sick old haunted mini DV camera that Caleb and I decided we were going to go ghost hunting. And we are going to go ghost hunting. Yes. Um, we're actually, we're so we're shooting this on Saturday. We're going to put it out on Sunday um, on Halloween. And then while you're listening to it on Halloween, we're actually going to be out ghost hunting. And I'm going to put up a video about the ghost hunting tools I made. And one of them is the camera that we're using today. I figured it'd be a lot more fun to use like an old mini DV camera. Yeah. So I set it up with a FPV DVR and all those letters will make more sense if you watch that video uh but yeah uh and we're shooting through it today and i really love it it'll probably be how we continue to do it i love this haunted old camera i love it yeah it's this is not being done in post we are not doing this in after effects (laughs) we're actually shooting this on a dv camera uh yeah today's story is a really fucking fascinating one it's a it's a story um that's pretty hard to like i don't think we'll ever know the true story yeah because Obviously, there's a number of different incidents. We specifically are kind of focusing in on the deaths of 118 Hmong immigrants in the Bay Area. In, it was the late 70s to, what, 81, right? Yes. 77 to 81? Yes. So over those four years, 118 men died suddenly in their sleep, seemingly without any cause. Uh, and we'll get into it here in a little bit as Caleb starts to tell the story. But this is not the only time this has obviously happened in history. Um, and you're going to be confused the more times we bring it up because it doesn't get any more clear the more often it happens. It doesn't, there's no through line that's really created. If anything, they're sort of destroyed throughout this story. Anyway, Caleb, why don't you start with the beginning and and tell them about these immigrants, these lovely men. uh, In 1977, uh, a lot of Hmong refugees were in the United States and in Canada uh, coming from the Pacific Asia because of the yeah. wars that coming we from Laos and Vietnam mm-hmm. and Cambodia and all of the countries that we had thoroughly covered in Napalm. And they were uh, living their lives. Uh, they would talk about being very stressed and having nightmares. I don't mean to chuckle, but no shit. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Imagine like, um, I know that I basically exist in this podcast to interrupt you trying to tell everybody <laughs> an interesting story like I do in your life. Uh, but goddamn, just you just got out of the Vietnam War. You're like, cool, I'm out of Cambodia. Where are you going to go? I guess to the person who set my house. Well, I'm, I guess I'm going to go to his house. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No shit they were stressed. Yeah. Yeah, like land of opportunity maybe, but also land that's like unapologetically murdering children in the streets. Um, yeah, geez. Um, Vietnam sucked. These, these men were like super stressed. They were talking about having nightmares all the time. And then randomly in their sleep, they would let out a, a scream in their sleep and then die. Just mysteriously die. Laying next to somebody's Ah! <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I've been in some hospital beds that were like, you know, that guy won't stop farting or whatever, but could you imagine? Ah! <laughs> I think that guy's dead! <laughs> that guy just screamed to death. That was terrifying. <laughs> uh, and... A cause needed to be put to it pretty quickly, and at first, um, a bunch of different names were thrown around for it, and a bunch of different names were thrown around for it still. Uh, the current most prevalently known one is SADS, yeah, which is Sudden uh, Arrhythmic Death Syndrome, yeah, which is just the sudden unexpected death of an adolescent or adult during sleep. 
For those uh, for the listeners um, at home, you might think of SIDS. You've probably heard of SIDS with this sudden infant death syndrome, which is very similar. SIDS has been a little closer tied to sinus problems mm. and suffocation. Um, but they all kind of started at the same time. The investigation started around the same time, and they are related. Yeah. Uh, this is also related. We'll get into it. It's related to sleep paralysis and a handful of other things as well. Um, but the idea that they sort of scream themselves to death, there's like this death rattle causes your brain to short circuit. It's scary as fuck. Uh, they started looking into it, and um, in around the same time, from 1982 to 1990, 230 healthy Thai foreign workers living in Singapore also suddenly died in their sleep. Which is a remarkable difference, too, because the quality of life is significantly nicer in Singapore, even then. Yeah, um, and they're like, what is causing these things to happen? They're, they start looking at all the people. They go your typical, your uh, cardiomyopathy, your congenital heart disease, um, tissue disorder, conduction diseases, to see if you're just not firing on all cylinders. Everything came back negative. Nothing wrong with these guys. No, nothing wrong with them. Well, they were like healthy fishermen and workers. You Mm -hmm. know, like these were not all of them, they were all under 30, right? It was 18 to 30? Uh, 18 to 30 was the age range. And Um, not to be too morbid about it, but we just went through a year where people who were too young were dying of a thing. It's crazy to think that, you know, 25-year-old man just dead in his sleep, mm -hmm. perfectly healthy the day before. So they started looking at even more rare disease such as uh, QT syndrome, uh, Berguda syndrome, CPVD, uh, PCCD, <laughs> DVDR, DVDR, HDMI, DVDA, um, and again, physically impossible, by the way, DVDA. None of these things were, all these things were coming out negative. And to talk a little bit more about one of those, uh, Berguda syndrome was big in Thailand, Laos, and the Philippines. <laughs> you, like, you said that like it was popular. <laughs> It's Everybody's huge. doing the Berguda. Uh, and it was a genetic disorder uh, in which the electrical activity within the heart is abnormal. Okay. Just literally just the mapping out of it out. I had a buddy. Uh, we used to live in a party house together, band dudes, you know, and he was like a real emo singer, had the bang and everything. And he was born with a congenital uh, heart defect. He had a hole in his heart. And boy, did he use it to get women. <laughs> That's what that made me think of. Shout out to Tony. Uh, my... This is weird. So my sister's brother, no relation to me, um, <laughs> he enlisted in the military, and when he was in basic, uh, he had a heart attack at 19 years old. Yeah, man. Um, they went through, they looked, he did also have a hole in his heart, and he has, like, full GI benefits now because yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he still wanted to pursue helping people, so he's now actually an EMT. That's sick. Um, well, it's harder when, you know, if you, that stress on your heart. You can't yeah. work as hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's – so they look – none of those things were the case. Uh, All of these dudes were perfectly healthy. Uh, Brigada syndrome is where your heart is – just not mapped out, right? You said a, an excellent prank to pull on people is to pull all the leads off of spark plugs. Oh, yeah. If you're ever really mad at somebody, just yank all the plugs off their uh, off the head and off the distributor. Well, provided the vehicle has a distributor. This is getting harder to do. But, yeah, because they don't go back in order. Mm-hmm. They should, but they don't go back in order. And almost every car is different. <laughs> and uh, it's a hilarious sound. So there's a cool crime to all the kids listening to this podcast. You want to fuck with your parents? Go yank all the spark plugs off. You can get any hood open. Don't worry about it. If you can't get the latch open, just go through the grill. You just got to stick your finger up and you can pop it open. I probably shouldn't be talking about all this <laughs> stuff, but nobody listens to this podcast. So I'm not going to get in trouble. 
Um, we th- already got kicked off the fucking Tiny Meat Gang ship. If anybody's wondering, uh, we did. They apparently are starting a podcast network and don't want us in the uh, building anymore. And by that, I mean, I guess, sp- spaceship. They don't want us in the building anymore, so we had to leave. <laughs> um, so with Brigada Syndrome, it typically the abnormal heart rhythms come when you're at rest. Okay. Um, so that's why people were leaning towards it, being like, well, they were at rest, the, the heart just wasn't kicking right, and it would cause their heart to stop in their sleep. But the thing is, a quarter of the people who have Brigada Syndrome, a family member also has it. It's, like I said, it's a genetic disorder. Yeah, yeah, it's got so a... any genetic disorder, if I have it, you probably have it. Yeah, and also, yeah, that's true. That's, that explains the... Are guts <laughs> genetic? Is that how this yeah. happened? Yeah. Body shape. <laughs> yeah, we were both born hair with color. two chins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the hair color is genetic. Well, you know, it. It. We'll get into the you know the two hundred and thirty men in Singapore, but to just start with these hundred and eighteen men in the Hmong men in the Bay Area, because that's the so t- we sort of skipped over because it it's such an exciting thing. But the thing that gave Wes Craven the idea for Freddy Krueger was that he was reading a San Francisco Chronicle piece about these men in the Oakland area who had inexplicably died. And he looked into it to see that, you know, some people believe in sleep paralysis, demons and things of that nature. And he was like, well, what if there was one that could really kill you? And that's where Wes Craven got the idea for Freddy Krueger. That's yeah. where it was born. So this idea that these 118 men died, sure, we can immediately kind of make it important to medically disqualify them. But, you can kind of do that with common sense. Yeah. They were 118 non-related men over the course of four years in the same, same, or I should say in a similar but not the same community. It's not like they all lived in the same house. Yeah. You know, these were people in different parts of the community, and it just happened to affect all of them. And also, I should make it clear, only them. It's not like there were 50, you know, Latino men that yes. showed up dead in their sleep. It was just 118 of these Hmong men. Um, and... By the 1980s, the CDC was like, oh, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. Like you said, there's these uh, Pacific Asian men who have immigrated to Canada and the U.S. who are just randomly dying in their sleep. We should look into this. And one thing they did is they found a report from 1948 where 81 Filipino men in Hawaii also just randomly died in their sleep. All clean bill of health. Yeah. Uh, no associated pattern, nothing linking the people together other than the fact that they were Filipino. Um, and so by 1881 to 1882, they started looking at the different rates of the, these sudden deaths amongst um, Pacific Asian refugees. Sure. And they found that in the U.S., 82 out of 100,000 uh, Hmong men were dying in their sleep. Wow. 82 and 100,000... Um, Laotian men. Laotian. Laotian. Yeah, Laotian. Uh, were dying in their sleep. Formerly known as the Kingdom of Siam. And 59 out of 100,000 Cambodian men were randomly dying in their sleep. And these are like big numbers. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So what's causing it? They don't know. And so they start looking more into it and they're like, well, Southeast Asian immigrants were mostly fleeing from the Vietnam War and the Korean War and they were the people that were most afflicted by this fatal syndrome. For sure. So they started looking into the things like, well, what are some other common things? And they saw that Filipino men, uh, Chinese immigrants, Japanese immigrants, and people native to Guam uh, were all falling under these sudden in-their-sleep deaths. And they're like, we need to figure out what is going on. Uh, 
So yeah, no shit. The, the CDC was like, "Hey, uh, we got a lot of dead people. We don't know what's causing it. We're just calling it sudden death syndrome. Uh, we're really it, locked out." They called it something even worse. Well, their sons, which is sudden, unknown, nocturnal death syndrome. Yep. Which, yeah, I mean that is what's happening. But that imagine knowing so little about how a person's dying that you just got to call it the fancy words for dying at death. Yeah. Bed death, as it was otherwise known. Bed death, and then so they're like, well, let's let's start mapping these things out. They said, <laughs> uh, the particular immigrants who have this syndrome, their average age was thirty three years old. They were seemingly healthy, and um. All of them, except one, were Hmong refugees. and so. What they, was the one guy? Do we know? Uh, I believe he was from the Philippines. That's Dave. Um, <laughs> He's Panoy. And he said they were like, so we know that it affects mainly Hmong men or people from northeastern Thailand or uh, the surrounding areas, like we said, the Philippines and Japan. Yeah. And they're like getting to the point where Hmong men uh, had the highest sudden death rates while sleeping in the United States. And so they decided to do a study. And it was higher than all additional combined, right? It wasn't yes. just at the top. It was more than every other cause. Exactly. Um, so of like, just men their age, not Hmong men, just men their age. They're like, let's do a study. So they decided to do a study that was in uh, Banvanai and the Luwe province in China, which is in southern China. Um, they It's 50 kilometers from the Lao border. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and they said the study took place between October of 1982 to June of uh, 1983. And they're like, we need to figure out what's causing this. So what they did is they picked, uh, out of 33,000 refugees, they picked a bunch of random people. And they started researching them in their sleep, doing uh, autopsies, seeing if maybe they did have an underlying condition. Um, they then talked to, interviewed people that were next of kin who lived with victims, witnessed the death, or found the body. And they did these open-ended interviews. They did all these studies. And what they came up with was, well, they're Asian. (laughs) And that's literally it. Jesus Christ. You know, I... This past year, I tried not to be a dick about the CDC. You know, I want to be on their side. I assume that they're always with the best intentions. But guys, yeah, I mean... It, ha- it can't be that confounding. Yeah. You have to do a little bit more than, well, they all had eyes. Yeah. Yeah. All of them, they were all people. They were all humans. So they they released it, and they're like, hey, um, if you're around the age of 33 years old and also Asian, uh, just kind of be mindful that you yeah, might die up. in your sleep. <laughs> you might just fucking suddenly <laughs> die in your sleep. So uh, people. Shout out Noelle Miller. You might suddenly die, if that's what race you are. <laughs> you're, you're du- you might die soon. So uh, people started taking it amongst themselves to try to figure out what was going on. Uh, So people started hypothesizing different things. And one of the things was, like we said, when this outbreak began, many of the Southeast Asian people uh, were coming to the U.S. as refugees of guerrilla war and were not able to worship correctly. So a lot of religious rituals... um, requested certain items that you had to have with you, a certain space to do it in, or even certain sacrifices. Well, when we talked about the battle apes of Vietnam, the idea that the Sasquatch is likely from central Mm -hmm. Vietnam, uh, when we talked about that, we talked about 
in an effort for the U.S. to scare them, what some people thought the ape sightings might have been is there was a operation called Operation Wandering Souls, which we touched on in that episode. It's definitely worth listening to, but uh, it's a really disgusting thing. It's not a surprising thing, but it's a disgusting thing that the U.S. government did. Uh, they took the Vietnamese specifically, and in this case we're talking about Hmong, uh, believe that if you don't receive a proper burial, like you said, with the proper items for the afterlife or just one at all, you're pretty much stuck to wander until you do receive those things. Um, and those ghosts, they would play this like a ghostly tape to try to scare the soldiers during Vietnam, which is what a God. It, and expectedly it backfired yeah. uh, because every time they heard it, they're just like, Oh, the fucking Americans are here with their stupid Halloween decorations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they, that idea was built on very real beliefs and that's that, I'm sort of fucked if after I die, I'm not taken care of properly. Yes. Uh, or if, heaven forbid, somebody around me or something important dies or something happens and I leave, the idea of leaving your homeland, it's sort of, <laughs> I'm definitely not doing this to sound patronizing, but that's the nature of humor. Uh, what we do in the shadows when they carry their homeland soil in their bags. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like that. Like vampires have to sleep on the dirt they're from. Uh, I did not just call Hmong people vampires. Unless they are, in which case that's sick. That is sick. Um, but what people started to hypothesize is they were, they left their home country. They were here in the U S they didn't have the things they need to worship properly. And they also didn't bring their ancestor spirits with them or the village spirits to protect protect them. them, Yeah. Um, so these attacks induce a nightmare that lead to sleep paralysis when the victims are conscious and experiencing pressure on the chest, um, which is a super common thing in the REM state. Okay. Um, when you're coming from the REM state to being awake, um, these brain states are held separate. And if you basically think of it as a nature trail, if you step off that nature trail, you fall off a cliff. And that's what sleep paralysis is. Rainbow Road. Yes. You're supposed to be going from point A to point B. And if you stay on that trail, you'll do it just fine. But if you deviate from that trail... That's what sleep paralysis is. That's interesting. So you and I, we should talk about that briefly. Yes. Uh, you and I both have experienced sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it a whole bunch in my life. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen like a sleep paralysis demon. I put the little guy in the thumbnail for this pod just because how can you not? Yeah. And we're talking a lot about sleep paralysis today. Um, so if any of you have sleep paralysis experiences, please, by all means, leave them in the comments. Um, but yeah, we... I don't know that I ever see a demon. It ha- does happen to me pretty often, so much so that now when it happens, I like to be present of mind, and I just do what I can. I either go back to sleep, or if I feel like I should be awake, I start to, like, I think about my shoulders moving. I think about my elbows moving. Yeah. And just kind of, like, the best way to describe it is you just sort of will yourself awake. You just kind of think, like, okay, move your fucking arms, buddy, and you got to, like, start moving your arms. Because, yeah, I'll get it really bad sometimes, and it is incredibly scary. It's yeah. incredibly scary. Uh, I know... Uh, we talked about it earlier, and funny enough, uh, Bunger, if you're watching or listening, we did not plan this around the fact that a couple days ago you told me. You oh yeah, yeah, but uh, but to share his story to that he shared with me, he should just consider it like as like a big fan of the show. He should probably just consider it a cosmic sign. So, yeah, Bunger, um, start looking behind you, bud. Something's coming. <laughs> um, but he has this lamp that's a it's called a mother and daughter lamp, which is a tall lamp that stands straight in the air and then has a bendable smaller lamp that comes off. And he told me the other day that he woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't move, and was staring at that lamp to which it appeared to be a long, like, Slenderman-esque creature reaching towards him <laughs> until he was finally <laughs> a- a- able to wake up. And I've had, uh, well, I've had sleep paralysis, if I remember correctly, four times. Okay. 
And uh, twice off the top of my head, I remember seeing something uh, close to a sleep paralysis demon, which is that that is where we're going to go. Did it look like the little guy with the unibrow? Did it look like that? Uh, Not really. The one that I remember, which is the most recent one, which happened probably, I want to say six or seven months ago. Uh, I was asleep and I woke up and I was on my side looking at my clothes hamper. Well, it wasn't a clothes hamper to me. Uh, I saw it as this bent over hag lady who was walking towards me and I could like, I could, I couldn't move and I could hear her walking towards me. I could hear her footsteps. I could hear her breathing. Yikes. And she got like closer and closer. And as soon as she went to go touch me. I was able to fully move and realize that it was, in fact, my clothing hamper. You know what's interesting about that? This is a thing I haven't really talked about a whole lot, but when I was younger, I used to have, this is just it's all sort of related because it is sort of related to the sleep process stuff, but I used to have these precognitive dreams. Mm-hmm. I would have a dream where something really banal was happening, but it was usually with strangers, yeah. people I hadn't met yet. And then later in my life, that thing would happen, but in the dream, Always works like this. I'm doing something really stupid. I'm like sitting around. Maybe I'm doing the podcast. And in my dream, all of a sudden, the roof blows off of our fucking haunted attic. And there's a spaceship that takes us out. Yeah. And in real life, I will remember at the moment in real life where in my dream, the crazy thing happens. That's where in real life, I remember that I dreamt it. And it has always happened that way for all 30 years of my life. I can recall doing it as a child. I can recall doing it now as an adult. Does that mean anything? Who the fuck knows? But it is why we make this show. Yeah. Um, I, I've had a similar like experience with dreams where um, I'll be going about my day-to-day, and I won't remember the dream until I'm right there. And like I'll do something like, I could have six months ago had a dream that we were sitting in here and like I moved my arms like this. And as soon as I move my arms like this, I'm like, holy shit, I had this dream. That's kind of how mine are too. Yeah. It's just that I'll get into the dull activity and something much bigger gets my attention. And that's usually in real life when I'm like, oh fuck, I dreamt about this. Because I have this like very, very, very quick moment of, oh shit, I'm about to die. Because in my dream, I like die right then. So I'm yeah. like, Oh fuck! I've been here, and there's a truck that's about to come through that wall. You know, I don't know why it's always like that. Yeah, Kool Aid so Man strange. fucked me up as a kid. You know, he really broke my brain. But yeah, so the idea of that terror. I mean, sleep paralysis does a lot of things to a human being. I don't know if it can kill you. I mean, that's been looked into pretty extensively, and by all accounts, it doesn't really seem like it. Although physicians don't also fully know what's happening to your yeah. body. Yeah, like you said, it's that deviation off the path. They, it's basically like you're starting up a computer without your keyboard or mouse plugged in. Yeah. Like, yeah. everything starts working, but, like, you can't control where it's going. Yeah, it's like it's not connected. Um, And this is a common thing, this idea of sleep paralysis or a, a creature or a demon coming to you in your sleep in your most vulnerable uh, moment to kind of take your soul is a super common thing in a bunch of different um, religions and cultures, and that's kind of where I want to lead this discussion. Yeah, because well, because yeah, let's talk about that. Because even if it was, say, physiologically, their heart stopped. I mean, that's what happens, right? Yeah. Here's what we know. Well, the brass tacks about this. What we know. These men died. We're focusing on the 118, but there's a lot of different instances of this over, and it does largely seem to be it happens more with Asian Americans than it does, or Asians, I shouldn't say Asian Americans, that's such a central, fucking stupid thing to say, <laughs> Asians in general. Yeah. Um, however, uh, we we know that their hearts stopped, we know that they died, we don't really know why, and that did physically happen. Yes. So we don't, could they have been scared to death? And I guess that's probably what we should talk about. Yeah, uh, so like I said, there's a bunch of different things um, that it could be, like 
the Baguai uh, is the one in China that is known in China, which r- roughly translates to pressed on in English. Well, the Vietnamese have what the dab chow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> dab chow. But yeah, the <laughs> but the, on your chest. Like <laughs> yeah, but that's that's like their. I mean, fuck. I mean, most people listening to this podcast probably know about John Wick. What do they call John Wick in those movies? The Baba Yaga. Will you tell them who the Baba Yaga was? Uh, the Baba Yaga is a um, Russian folklore that uh, the Baba Yaga is this hag lady that comes to you in your sleep if you're a misbehaving child and steals you away and eats you. Yep, and that's not far removed from the Liak, which is uh, an old maid of Asian lore that does the same thing. Under a you know blood moon, she sheds her corporeal form. She's nothing more than her old maid head and bonnet and all of her organs and she floats across the rice paddies feasting on poorly behaving children and stuff mm-hmm. and that's really common in the philippines and i'm sure tommy knows that you yeah, know like uh tommy has told me that his like family would kind of use it as a um tommy is his filipino uncle yes did, yeah um to kind of trick uh him and his brothers and sisters to wash their feet yeah because uh, they would just play around outside and their uh house growing up had a dirt floor as of well of course so to wash your feet before going to bed because this idea of she comes to find misbehaving children and unclean children. Yeah. So they're like, hey, hey, do you want your fucking feet eaten tonight? <laughs> you better wash them. You should wash them probably. And so they'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but that's the idea here. A lot of these myths overlap. So while we're talking about things that maybe to the listeners don't immediately sound like uh, something that could kill you in your death. Uh-oh. You'll have to pardon that alarm. Uh, that's my death alarm. I'm actually about to die. Uh, you know, it, these things, there are a lot of myths out there that sort of, sort of cover what could have happened to these guys. But what we're getting around to is that the greater idea is that there's this old hag who's known to punish you in one way. Most say that most cultures say that she sits on your chest. Yes. And that's sleep. We're talking about sleep paralysis. So while some people see the little guy with the unibrow, uh, there's a lot of great videos on YouTube. Maybe we'll do one about it at some point, but there's a lot of good YouTubes about the sleep paralysis uh, demon. If you've ever seen him or seen that poster. Um, but a lot of people describe something kind of like slender man. I never see slender man because I've been on something awful since 2001. So I helped invent slender man. Uh, but I don't, I don't ever see any ghosts. I'm just frozen. And I know very, like, it's very clear what's happening. I know yeah. what's up. I know what's wrong. I don't ever feel like I've been... I know that sometimes sleep paralysis is something that gets described as, you know, people who... We've talked about on the show, alien abductions sometimes are described as, you know, people... If you're going through sleep paralysis and somebody pulled down your street with their headlights, there's a really good chance you would think that you just got returned from being abducted. Because it's just such an odd feeling, and it really feels like something that your body is incapable of doing without somebody doing it to it. So that's funny you mentioned that. That's the other one that I distinctly remember. So when I was very little, I was uh, asleep, and I suddenly woke up, couldn't move, and I saw what appeared to be this little, like, gremlin guy kind of just bobbing his way from one side of my bed. Is it the guy? Foot. Is it the, the guy? Well, I didn't see him. I just saw his sh- silhouette, and I freaked out, and I yelled, and my parents ran in, turned on the lights. Of course nothing was there. But we thus found out that I was just experiencing sleep paralysis, and the reason I saw this little creature go by is because if a car was slowly going down my street, the way the headlights... Yeah, the uh, way they'll come through your window. Came through the window and the bushes in front of my window made it look like there's this little <laughs> silhouette moving throughout my room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about uh, different cultures and what they believe 
sleep paralysis demons. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, some of them believe that it's an old woman sitting on you. Some of them believe. Uh, give give some good examples, I suppose. Um, so I already talked about in Chinese culture, uh, it translates to ghost pressing on body or ghost pressing on bed. Um, in Japanese culture, sleep paralysis is referred to uh, kanashibari, okay, uh, which is bound or fastened in metal. Because uh, kane is metal and shibari is to bind, to tie, or to fasten. Okay. Um, and it's they believe that you are you're bound in metal, so you can't move at all. They don't have a real ghost presence to it, but they just believe your body is metaphysically bound in metal. You're very rigid. You can't move. <laughs> um, in Korean culture, sleep paralysis is called gwainalin which is being pressed down by something scary in a dream <laughs> is what that translates <laughs> That's the to. Six. Man, the Koreans always got the coolest names for everything. Um, in Mongolian culture, nightmares. And I haven't even seen Parasite. Uh, nightmares in general, as well as sleep paralysis, are referred to by the verb kardorak, uh, which means being pressed down by the black. Well, the Norse believe that it's a horse sitting on you. That's where mirror, the mare in Nightmare, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a horse. Because yeah. everything in Norse mythology... I think it's horse mythology. Horse mythology. <laughs> yeah. It just got erased, the top part. Because think of, when you think about it, what do you think of? You think of like a horse's head, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. an armored horse's head? Because like the Valkyries, they mm-hmm. fly on horses. Yeah. You know? Pegasi. Pegasi, yeah. Uh, so in Mongolian culture. Occasionally pegacorns. True, true. Yeah. Uh, being pressed <laughs> by the black. That sounds like a way to alternately have sex with uh, like a... A guy from Iowa. Pegacorn. Pegacorn. <laughs> Country girls make do. Uh, so Go Huskers. Kara means black, which is it uh, does. often referred to as the dark side personified. So in Mongolian culture, uh, Karin Bu means shaman of the black, which is the shaman of the dark side, which only resides in the far northern uh, uh, Mongolia. Is it is it Mustafar? Does he live on Mustafar? <laughs> but uh, it's a person that... Brings ill-willed spirits. Okay. Uh, it They are like the dark shaman saying like, hey, fucked up <clears throat> demons, come on. To where you have... So they're the Sith. Yes. <laughs> you have the Sagan uh, Zuginbu, which is shaman of the white direction. Okay. Which are the Belevenant spirits. Okay. So those are the ones that brought to protect you. So it is a light and dark side. So they're the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. We have, in Tibetan culture, sleep paralysis is known as uh, either dip non or dip fuck, uh, which is a press or struck by dip. I'll show dip you a meaning, dip fuck. <laughs> uh, dip meaning shadow. Okay. Uh, which their shadow is less of a outside spirit and more of a spiritual pollution. So okay. So you're more internal spiritual pollution. You're being weighed down by it. Yeah, by your bad decisions and shit. Um, we talked about in Hmong culture already, uh, the sleepers being sat on and strangled, uh, same in Cambodian, Lao, and Thai culture. Um, they believe that it is a ghostly figure holding them down, reaching into their mouth, pulling the breath out, and holding it at arm's length. Woo! That's brutal. Super terrifying. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing in Indiana Jones that got us the MPAA. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Malay, or the Malay Pen- Peninsula, uh, sleep paralysis is known as Kinnatanind which is being pressed, um, and they believe it's a work of a malign agency, uh, and they also believe in culture that your peripheral vision or your blind spots are always occupied by demons, like at any given moment. And so when you are asleep and experience sleep paralysis, they are able to come out from your peripheral vision. Gotcha, and you can see them. Um, 
we moved to the more south uh, part of Asia in Kashmiri mythology. You had um, the Saya, which were these different spirits that would just come. Um, they were not cleansed or not uh, allowed to exist by God. Okay. And if you were not cleansed or you didn't worship God, they would attach themselves to you and kill you in your sleep. Fuck. Yeah. Jeez. So that was a way to be like, hey, you should be, you should practice the religion you're taught. You should worship God. Do what you're told. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the same fear tactic that comes with a lot of religion. Okay. So all this stuff is supernatural. Mm -hmm. If there's obviously like a strong belief in the world of sleep paralysis, demons, because uh, sleep paralysis is a real thing. But if these guys were killed by fear, mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen referred to as voodoo death. Yes. The idea you sort of scared yourself to death. Do you think it happened? I don't know. So there was one case where they did find out what killed these people in their okay. sleep. Um, and they weren't scared to death. This was a very small, uh, well, I say very small, it was 400 deaths in uh, the Yunnan um, Providence in southwest China. Okay. It was called Yunnan Sudden Death Syndrome. And it was a bunch of people having their hearts stop in their sleep. Well, at this time, it was uh, June to August. It was a very rainy midsummer. And they're at the altitude of 18,000 to 2,400 meters. And they're like, what is going on with these people? They found out, the Chinese CDC found out, that there's this small mushroom. It's still the CDC there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the CCDC. <laughs> um, they found that these small the white People's mushrooms. Democratic Republic of <laughs> Disease. These small white mushrooms were being harvested and they were too small to sell, so they were just being eaten by the families. These small mushrooms were extremely toxic, and they had three um, aminos in them that basically just shut down your heart. Okay. So these people were eating the mushrooms, and it would just shut their heart down when their heart got calm enough. So in their sleep, it would just shut their heart off. That's fascinating. But that is only 400 people. That is just this one only, small case. Only 400 yeah. people. But it's but, but more than the number, it's that they were all in the same location consuming the same food. Yes. Like with the Hmong guys and with the guys, the Thai guys in Singapore, neither of those were the case. And yep. with the Hmong immigrants, it's over the course of four years. The CDC looked into it twice. It's in mm -hmm. multiple medical journals. I wonder if it was just being terrified at night. I The reason I don't jump straight to that is because that feels... Um, too conclusive. It feels diminutive. It yeah. feels um, racist, honestly, to just be like, oh, well, they just got scared. Yeah. They don't have the constitution to make it through the night. Like, that's not accurate. Yeah. So I wonder what truly could have, I wonder if it is some sort of a, you said that there was a defect that was found in some of them, that the there was a defect in their brain, correct? Yeah. Um, it was basically just a neurological mapping issue to where, um, if it was a heightened increase of adrenaline, um, it basically would shock their system okay. and cause it to shut down. Sh sort of short-circuit it? Yeah, it would okay. short-circuit their brain. And okay. so that, a lot of cases, was tied to, well, if they had this, if they were on edge because stress of the wars and stress of not being home and also stress of thinking they're being hunted down by an evil spirit, yeah, they have a nightmare, they scare themselves awake, that triggers this uh, response in their brain and just hard reboots their body and kills them. Man, man. It's funny, too, because I remember when Johnny Mnemonic, you know, 
fucking Keanu's really become like the man that we all look to about sci-fi future stuff. Yeah. But Johnny Mnemonic's brain, I think, in that movie is like 128 gigs or something, mm-hmm. and that just makes me laugh. Well, our brains only operate at 144 hertz. Like, yeah. You know, they're not really operating at that high of a, a frequency. It's, it's fascinating. It, it makes me wonder if psilocybin, I, not to immediately turn this into mushrooms because I always do, <laughs> but I wonder if, huge advocate, uh, if the effect that psilocybin has on the brain could help that at all because it's been proven that um, the same vibration that your brain is at when you're meditating in like deep, like what Buddhist monks refer to as nirvana, yeah, they that's the same that your brain uh, it resonates at when it, you're tripping on mushrooms. So it makes me kind of wonder, I wonder if there would be a tie there that could possibly... I wonder if psilocybin could help people who have a condition like that. Yeah. I wonder if it could help bridge the gap. I wonder if it's dendrite-related or anything like that. I also wonder if it could just be a case of, um, like, PTSD or, as we more commonly called it back then, shell shock. Yep. You do have these war refugees coming into a completely new way of life, a new, just the... I mean, everything's different. Yeah, it's, Western civilization as a whole. Yeah. Uh, they aren't allowed to like be who they are. I mean, here's what I'll say where you're going with this is the idea that it is scary enough to really do it. Yeah. And here's what I will say. This is sort of a offhand uh, comparison, I guess, but I've talked about him before, but Estefanis Gedehun. I've brought him up before. He was my roommate for a long time. Incredible mm-hmm. man. If anybody deserves all the awards, Mr. Beast, give just give him $10 million. He deserves it. He was a Ethiopian refugee who came to the U.S. on the GI Bill, served three tours as Purple Hearts. He's about as dignified. He will do anything for anybody else. Before, yeah. he's the nicest motherfucker on the planet. You couldn't want somebody more in your country. When he got here, he thought Star Wars was real. And that's because he's from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy and it's very easy to be snide about it. But the world that we create, the world of wealth that we have and privilege that we have is much higher than what a lot of people know. And I wouldn't be that surprised if some of those men came to this country and were like, Oh fuck. Everything I thought about America is true. I'm going to fucking die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe their level of stress. Now I'm not a physician and the physicians at the CDC say, we don't know. But they do say that it is plausible that it was fear that killed these men. Now, was it the fear of uh, ancient spirit coming to get them? I don't know. I think that gets a little dangerous. But ultimately, what we're talking about here is fear, period. Yeah. And Wes Craven, the idea behind Freddy Krueger. The Freddy Krueger thing, this is a quick, we'll do this real quick because I know that you want to talk about this. The Freddy Krueger thing is frustrating because I like Freddy as a villain. Yeah. Uh, He's very charismatic. He's a lot of fun. And the fact that the new ones retcon him into actually being a molester. Yeah. When the old ones, he was wrongly accused. That's why he comes back to kill people. Yeah. Because he was wrongly accused of being a molester. So he's like, I'll give you a reason to cry. But in the new ones, he just is a molester. (laughs) Yeah. I was just talking about That's too real. At the bar the other day uh of course when nightmare on elm street came out uh there was the wrong moral for that story to have uh the whole point was he was a a janitor at an elementary school who was wrongly accused of molesting the children who they thought was like you know dumb yeah yeah uh so they trapped him in the boiler room and set him on fire set him on fire 
And so, since he was wrongly accused, he exacted his revenge. Which, that is a thing that was very common in horror movies at the time. Think of Candyman. Also wrongly accused, was murdered. I'm looking forward to the new one of those. I love Candyman. Uh, What a story! For those of you who don't know, hey, go watch Candyman because it rules. But he was killed? Uh, It doesn't make any sense because they covered him in honey and then he was stung to death by bees. Which wouldn't happen. No. It's funny if you think about it as like another animal. Like if you covered someone in your own vomit and they were like, I got to beat you to death, buddy. You're wearing my vomit. (laughs) And then like, I mean, look at Friday the 13th. Uh, Jason is killing people because the what it boils down to is he's killing the campers and the camp counselors because they weren't paying attention. When he drowned. When he drowned to death. Yeah. Um, So like... For them to come back and be like, no, Freddy actually did molest those kids. And it's like, well, you're just taking away the whole crux of... You're just saying he's a terrible person in death because he was a terrible person. Like, how am I supposed to get... It's like they don't understand when you watch a horror movie that it's supposed to be exciting when the killer kills somebody. Yeah. In both ways. Yeah. And, like, it should be thrilling because Freddy's fucking getting even. Like, when he rips Johnny Depp's dick off, it's funny because the whole point is that he's been wrongly accused for so long. Also, in part three, when his arms get long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and uh, the little antidote... The antidote. The antidote. A little story that I wanted to share uh, along the same lines as the story you shared is I get to meet a lot of cool people working in the bar. And uh, not too long ago, I met a couple of professional soccer players that came in after a game. And they were all from Africa. And this one guy, he was from Guyana. And he said when he moved here, he moved straight from Guyana to New York. And he flew into New York. (laughs) uh, A red-eye flight, flew into New York, landed, got in a taxi, and as the taxi was taking him to his hotel, he looked out the window, saw the skyline, and just involuntarily pissed himself. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I, to this day, can't even tell you what I was experiencing. He was like, I was terrified. Yeah. Just to, he's like, we were lucky to have buildings where I grew up, let alone buildings that I couldn't see the tops of. Ask anybody who lives in a slightly rural part of America or just a smaller town why they don't go to big cities. Yeah. Because they're scary. Why the fuck? No, they aren't fucking scary. But if you think they're scary, how do you think somebody who's from the jungle feels? Yeah. How do you think somebody who's from Ghana feels? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you think somebody who's from fucking Puerto Rico feels when they land in a large city like that? It's overwhelming for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see, especially those guys coming to San Francisco, and while it would still feel very same, dude, San Francisco in 1977, 78 was a wild place to be. There was yeah. a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the streets. There was a lot going on everywhere. And yeah, I could see that being terrifying. I could see it feeling like you'd never really left. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we just stopped randomly. <laughs> um, it's fine. I can edit. I'll just yeah, edit it out. Yeah, because it's fine now because we got time. Yeah. 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 All right. So yeah, um, I can clearly just see it being... <laughs> that was the funniest fucking thing. I don't, we both just kind of stopped. Well, them. you kept looking at the screen. I thought there was oh, a no. ghost. I Well, because something caught my eye. Oh, because you saw a ghosty? Uh, hey, ghosts. But no. Do you like our new setup? It's pretty sick. <laughs> There's like a glass break. Like... Um, so, yeah, I could 100% see it being um, just fear-induced, like, worrying yourself to death. Yeah, man, if if fear can kill you like that, it mm. def I mean th- these poor people were They're prime for prime it. for it. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the guys the Thai guys in Singapore. That's true. You know, like that's that the one, slippery fucking snake of this. It's like you don't That one I wonder if they were um just overworked. 
It's very possible, certainly. Yeah, but I mean, the the culture's different though. Like you would feel overworked working those work weeks, but I think I think it was Seoul actually just recently changed their legal work week from 68 hours to 52. Most people work like everybody that worked for me in Hong Kong was contracted. We were nice and contracted everybody five out of seven days a week. Most people work six days a week. Mm -hmm. So maybe, but I honestly think the work ethic and the capacity for work in Asia is so much higher than it is in the West Yeah, that I would, I just don't, this, I'm hesitating to say this because it almost sounds like an insensitive thing, but I want to make it clear that's in no way intended to be. I just don't know that you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, specifically in just that instance. Yes, you can absolutely. That's why I hesitated. Of course, yeah. you can work any human being to death. It's very easy to do. It's not very different across the people. However, in this case, I wonder if that's what it was. Yeah. You know, it's they weren't because they weren't working in Dubai. They were working in Singapore. And even in the 80s, while Singapore was a moneyed city and a less ethical city than I guess it probably is today. It was still Singapore. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. There's a chance. There's a chance. I wonder these huge deaths are a wild thing. Please guys, by all means, leave what you think. If, you, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening on YouTube, leave a comment because we, this one legitimately stumps us and it's just so fun to talk about. You know, normally we talk about a case and we'll, sort of give the whole thing. There isn't a whole lot to give here. We could give you a rundown of the 118 men, but you would see what we saw, which was there really isn't any difference between any of them. Yeah. They were all kind of the same guy. And I don't mean anything by that. I just mean they very similar profiles and there was nothing that stuck out. They weren't all secretly playing some weird sport that could have done this. There was just no connective tissue. So yeah. it makes me wonder. It's, it's scary. And if they did die purely of fear in their sleep, holy shit. That's all I have to say to that. I hope that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Scream until you die. Maybe that's how you make a ghost, you know? We haven't made too many stupid jokes on this episode, but maybe that's how you make a ghost. Do you think ghosts come from screaming to death, Caleb? Maybe. Yeah. They're definitely banshees. Yeah, right? I can see banshees. That's a witch! Have you gun. played? By the way, have you played Back for Blood yet? I haven't. I okay. need to. Yeah, um, I do I'm too. probably going to get it for the PC. I think I'm going to stream it tomorrow. Or, I guess, for those listening, today? I'll probably be streaming it today. Yeah. I'm going to shred some zombies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To some very unlicensed Twitch unfriendly music. Um, so it's the end of the episode. You guys know what that means. That means it's time for last week's riddle answer and this week's riddle riddle. And also, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for enjoying the show. Happy Halloween. Yeah, happy fucking Halloween. Good Sam Hain to you all. Um, so last week's, uh, the poison was in the ice cubes. Yes. The, the girl that chugged three iced teas back to back to back didn't die, it's because she didn't give the ice a chance to melt to poison her. Uh, the girl who drank her slowly, the poison did leach out and kill her. Which, uh, you don't know this because you haven't been watching it, but I've been watching Only Murders in the Building mm -hmm. because of course I have. Um, again, we're not a true crime podcast. I want to make that clear. Uh, but... Uh, there's something that has to do with poison and ice in that show. And I thought it was interesting that it was that episode was on the same week you did that riddle. So... There you go. Anyway, what's your riddle this week, bud? This week's riddle is, many can see my veins. I don't go inside. The trees are where I typically reside. If I fall to the ground, I surely die. What am I? Leave your uh, answer in the comments, everybody, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, this is a hell of a case. Go watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, my favorite. Yep. Of the trilogy. As we mentioned earlier, it's the one where it gets real long. It's also very zany. Yeah. It's very zany. Best line in any horror movie. Uh, one of the characters, he really plays on your dreams. Um, one of the characters, 
really wants to be a actress. Yeah. And uh, he turned Freddie turns on the TV to show a movie where she's starring in it. And he, she's like looking at it, getting closer and closer, and she realizes that it's her on the TV. And all of a sudden, the TV transforms into Freddy with like the stomach being his, his t- or the TV being his stomach, and his arms come out the side, and he just goes, "Welcome to prime time, bitch!" and stabs her in the head and slams her head into the TV. <laughs> I like that because it reminds me of uh, what's the Ninja Turtle guy? Oh, uh, Kang. Yeah, inside that big dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it makes me think of. That's his name, right? That's the character's Kang, yeah. name. No, the no, other one, big the big dumbass. dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> Kang's robot suit, big dumbass. That's gonna be Titanfall <laughs> Three, Code Big Dumbass. Calling the big dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that beautiful note, <laughs> we love you guys very much. Have a fucking spooky Halloween, and we will see you next week for a ooh Day of the Dead case. Yes. Yeah, we'll see you. Enjoy. Love Adios. You. Bye.